Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. For those of you who have heard Joy speak before you're in for a treat, she, uh, we don't get her but about three or four times a year. She never, she's never, in 25 years, she's never asked me to speak. I have to, I have to ask her to speak. But uh, for those of you maybe who come from a different tradition and you're not accustomed to seeing a lady speak on a Sunday morning, let me encourage you for about the next 30 minutes to put your tradition aside. And when it's all said and done, then you can tell me. <laughs> but I tell you this, uh, there is no one who prays for you more and prays for this church more than joy. And when she does speak, it's always a message from God to us. Would you give her a warm arc welcome as she comes? The Lord's good. I'm so thankful to be able to be here this morning and that I get to pray for you in this area. That's all I've ever known to do, and God is so good. He answers prayers. He's good. A couple of weeks ago, I was actually praying, and as I was praying, I had a word come to me. I personally thought it was just for me, and it was the word loneliness. And I thought, yeah, I'm familiar with that emotion. I remember having it even as a young child. And I thought, okay, so I kept praying along those lines, and then I realized as the holidays are approaching, this is an emotion we all can relate to, and it's often heightened, particularly at this time. As I began praying, I kept thinking, what is it about this word that's so complex? It's so painful, and yet statistics are showing there's an epidemic of loneliness in our society among young men. It's not age and gender specific. Isn't that interesting? You're thinking that, okay, in today's day and age, we can connect really easily. We have phones, we have computers, we can get to one another quicker. So why do we still experience loneliness? And what exactly is it? As I kept praying, I just looked up in the regular dictionary and I thought, okay, define this for me a little bit. And I had a definition, isolated, you don't have a lot of friends or company, you're alone, solitary. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but there's more to that word. It's a big word. It's a painful word. Why is that? Why does this silent emotion that's true to mankind, why is this emotion of loneliness that we all feel why is it so painful and prevalent at times? I saw someone, he drew a caricature, a cartoon of what he depicted as loneliness. And the expression on the face wasn't what caught my attention. He drew this cartoon character with a hole in the soul. And this person just walking around with a hole in their soul. And I thought, now I can relate to that. Because loneliness has this empty feeling something's missing and I don't even know how to explain it. How does a child tell his parents, I feel lonely? How do you tell somebody in a marriage, I, 
there's this loneliness. Because you can be alone and not be lonely. You can work in a busy work environment and feel lonely, be around a lot of people. Feel Why? What is this emotion? Why is it so painful? Well, a lot of the reasons why I think it's painful is because it's, we feel emotionally disconnected from people, with people all around us. Emotionally disconnected, detached, distanced from people and from God. And it's at that point those thoughts come to us of no one understands you. No one cares about you. And it can trigger more feelings of feeling unloved and unlikable. And that can even lead to greater despair of life, to where you isolate yourself from people and from God. It's easy to do because it happens just because of everyday life things. It's a part of what happens to all of us. Discouragements bring it on. Disappointments, loss of relationships, loss of dreams, loss of loved ones. Especially at this time, a lot of people have experienced loss. And with that, just things that are typical and true to life comes this haunting, difficult, painful, silent emotion of loneliness that you just don't even know who to talk to about it. In 1960, in the fall of 1960, I was born and my mom had me and it was a really hard time for her. Six weeks after I was born, my dad left. She was in Florida away from her family, didn't have a job at the time, didn't know how she was gonna pay the bills. She said she cried all the time and I just cried with her. My sister was eight years old. She didn't have the heart to tell her mom during the holidays, because Thanksgiving and Christmas were coming, that my dad had left again, because he had done this before. So she ate a grilled cheese sandwich alone on that Christmas. And there was a song that came out in that time. It came out in November of that year that she said she related to and reminds her of that time. It was by Elvis Presley. Are you lonesome tonight? Do you miss me tonight? Are you, are you sorry we drifted apart? Is your heart filled with pain? Should I come back again? Tell me, dear, are you lonesome tonight? If the words don't make you cry, the background singers do. <laughs> it's haunting. It's absolutely haunting. It's like, what's that do? It speaks to the grief in your heart. It sings to the grief in your heart until you sing it to yourself. There's a scripture in the Psalms that says, the enemy speaks to the grief in our heart, picks at the wounds, the hurting places in our soul. But you know God will never do that? He actually relieves the grief in our heart. He looks to soothe and heal the grief in our heart. 
And Psalm 147.3, it says this, he heals the broken in heart and he bandages up our wounds. That word wounds means sorrows and griefs. Sorrows and griefs are typical and true to life. And sometimes they cause a wound in our soul that God can heal. God alone can close that wound. We're not meant to walk around with a big hole on the inside of us, something empty. If we do, we can easily fall into a pattern of pain and loneliness where we're operating like the Lone Ranger, isolated. God never intended for us to permanently live with that type of pain and pattern in our lives. He wants to heal us. And so he gives us these amazingly beautiful descriptions and stories in the scriptures that show us other people felt this way too. And other people came out of this too, and you can too. Loneliness. Well, there's a man named Elijah in the Bible. I love this story. This is not age or gender specific at all, this emotion. This is a very strong man, strong man. And yet we're going to find him in a place where he's lonely. He's separated out. He's disengaged from life and from God at this point. This is the Elijah. He's not afraid to be alone. This is the Elijah that's by a river and the birds come and feed him. This is the same Elijah in the New Testament that it's like, you want to have that spirit of Elijah. He's strong. It's not just the emotionally weak people that feel loneliness. You can be very strong. It's a common emotion. You just have to let God help you out of it. This is the Elijah who stands up against a wicked king Ahab and speaks to him and confronts him and isn't afraid. This is the same Elijah that stands down and confronts 850 false prophets and makes sure they're slain and out of the land. This is the Elijah who calls fire down out of heaven. Do you know anyone who's done that? No. This is the same Elijah that prays and rain comes down after three years of there being a drought. This is that Elijah. He outruns a chariot, goes into town, and Ahab's wife Jezebel, a girl, is mad at him because she liked the false prophets. She had dinner with them, and she said, I'm going to kill you. She threatens him. I'm going to kill you by tomorrow, and that little comment causes this strong man, Elijah, to run for fear into the wilderness. He had always been led of the Lord, but we never see that he's led of the Lord here. Do you know you'll never be led of the Lord to isolate and separate yourself out from people or from God? He leaves his servant his help there and he goes, I don't want any help. He runs into the wilderness, a very dark place we're going to see, and he ends up under a tree And he goes, I just want to die. I'm ready to die right now. It's been a really bad day. I'm not like my father's. I just, he had victories. He had an emotion come to him and he separates out. God didn't lead him there. God sends angels to try to feed him and he still ends up in a cave. Let's see what happens to him. God speaks to him. He says, he goes into a cave and he spends the night there in that place. That describes loneliness, doesn't it? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, 
what are you doing here, Elijah? And so he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Nobody else did what I did is what he's saying. Can you hear it? It's the echo of the enemy's voice. You're all alone. You did what was right. Other people didn't, and you're ending up here. Someone wants your life. It's that haunting sound of grief, the echoes of the enemy. So what happens? Then he said, God says to him, go stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by and the great and a strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But look, the Lord was not in the wind. Let's just stop right there. He is not into destroying your life. God doesn't cause the destruction. He wasn't in the wind. Look at this. After that comes a big earthquake and the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After that, there comes a big fire, and the Lord wasn't in the fire. But then after the fire comes a still small voice that means a whisper, a whisper from heaven. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He comes to the entrance of the cave. Do you suppose that God's whispering you today, come out of that dark place of loneliness. You can come out of that pain. Come to the entrance. And God, he doesn't just manifest himself in big ways. He'll never be scary or hurt your life. He whispers to your heart. He speaks to you where you need to hear from him. He engages with you. He wants to connect with you and help you and heal you. And he does that with Elijah. I don't think he's sarcastic when he goes, what are you doing here? I think he said it like this. How did we get here? I didn't put you here. I know where you are, but I didn't tell you to get into a cave. That's not my plan for you. What does Elijah say? The same thing. Do you notice when we have a wound in our soul or when we're just caught up in the pains of loneliness, we repeat ourselves. I know I do. It's like picking at a scab in a wound. The thing can never heal. He says the same thing again. This is what is, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. He goes, I did everything right. Other people, all the other children of, all your other children, they did the wrong things. They hurt people. They did those things. I alone did what was right. And look at where I am. God doesn't even answer that. He basically says this. We're going to do two things. He notices he does two things. I'm just paraphrasing this. He's going to redirect him. And he's going to give him a different perspective. He says, all right. We're at the edge of the cave. You're going to come out. We're going to get out of the wilderness and we're going to do something for someone else. You're going to get some oil. You're going to anoint two people king and you're going to anoint another man named Elisha and he's going to help you. You're going to do something for someone else. I'm going to redirect you. 
and reroute you out of this wilderness. And also, I've got to give you the, uh, the right perspective. Because Elijah, there's 7,000 people in Israel who actually love me and have not bowed the knee to the enemy. You think you're alone, but you're not. Your mathematical calculations are completely off. But that's what happens with loneliness. That's what happens. We get distorted. It's like looking in a mirror at a carnival, and it's just all off. And God's like, you've got to have the right perspective. Or you go deeper into this lonely, painful emotion, and that's not where God would have you. He knows where you are. And I wonder if he's not whispering to your heart today, could you come to the edge of the cave? Could you come out? Yes. I love the story of Corrie ten Boom, her life. Her family was a godly family. They lived in the Netherlands during World War II. And when Germany invaded Holland, they were used and responsible for rescuing and saving by hiding them in their home, 800 Jews from the Holocaust. They ended up in the concentration camp on account of that, but they were used to spare their lives. Beautiful story. Now, Corrie ten Boom never got married, and you might think, well, maybe she didn't ever fall in love, but she did. She thought she was gonna marry somebody. She was writing to them, communicating with them until they showed up at her door. This man showed up at her door with another woman who he introduced as his fiance. Ever had that awkward, painful moment? Seeing someone you love with someone else? <gasps> she got through that visit, ran upstairs, fell over her bed and cried. Her dad, who was a godly man, loved the scriptures, loved God, came up behind her and spoke words to her that were whispers from heaven, whispers of God into her heart that would change a pattern in her. He said to her, Corey, love is a strong emotion, and when it's blocked, it's painful. You have a choice. You can cut love off for the rest of your life. Or you can ask God to open up another channel and reroute your love to somebody else who needs it and will receive it. And she did just that. She worked with special needs children at that time. But boy, was that ever going to be a pattern that was going to help her out of many dark, lonely places. Because they did everything right like Elijah did when they saved those 800 people. But they still ended up in the concentration camp. And in the concentration camp, afterwards, when that whole situation, her father died there, her sister died there, her nephew died there, and her brother died shortly after release. She's released alone. If anybody could feel lonely, we would have all understood it. But she didn't. She rerouted her life again. She found a channel and people to love all over the world. Went to Africa, Asia, South America, all throughout America into her 80s, proclaiming the love of God. She's known as saying, there is no pit too deep that God's love is not deeper still. And I wonder if the Lord's not saying, you are not too detached you are not too distant from me to reach you still. You see, loneliness 
the pains of loneliness, they distort the truth. And you can recognize it because of all the absolute statements. I'll never love again. I'll never get over this. Nobody understands. It's all wrong. I have no one. No. But you have God. You just can't see it sometimes. Sometimes we don't realize we're echoing the enemy's voice. Interesting scripture in Psalms. It says this. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Do you have sorrow in your heart? Are you taking counsels from your own soul? Because that can bring you sorrows. We need the counsels of God. We need the perspective from God. And it comes from the scriptures. It comes from people who love the scriptures and can speak to you those scriptures too. During the holidays, Alan's been encouraging us in devotions. He's like, okay, and let's do it together. Let's read Psalm 23 three times a day. Why? What it'll do? Keeps your perspective right. In the middle of any kind of emotion that tries to come, any remembrance of loss, you're like, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, it feels dark and there's people missing at my table and it doesn't feel the same and the traditions are all different. But you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That will center you and keep you with the right perspective. That God can begin to heal you because that's his heart towards you. That's the whisper to your heart. Let me heal you. Don't live with an open wound in your soul. Don't live with a hole on the inside of you with a silent aching pain that puts you in despair of even life. That's not God. In Isaiah 61, 3, he says this. He came to console those that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. I'll just stop there. I always wondered, what is beauty for ashes? What does that mean, beauty for ashes? Well, in Bible times, when someone was mourning, they had a loss, they, they would actually put ashes on their head. And you knew, they're mourning, they had a loss. They have ashes on them. But do you know you're not supposed to live with ashes on your head? Did you know that ashes can wash away? What does it mean? Give, give him ashes. Give him the ruins of that loss. Talk to him. Begin to connect with God and tell him everything that hurts you. One thing Elijah does is he talks to God. He tells him all those things. God knows everything about me, but I tell him everything too. Talk to him. Bring those ashes. This is what happened. This is what I don't have. This is the pains of that and the ruins and there's not much left. God says, I'll give you beauty. What does that mean? It actually is translated as a crown of flowers. A crown that represents life. A crown that represents something new. If I'm wearing a crown of flowers, I'm not going to a funeral. I'm going to a festival. But would that honor the people that I've lost? Yes. The rest of that verse says it glorifies God. God wants to heal you 
and crown your life with something new that you could live and love and laugh again. You're like, how often he'll just do it by helping you start to love other people. It's amazing how he reroutes us and redirects us and channels our love towards someone else and it heals us. It's a bandage from heaven. Interesting verse I had never seen it and I just, just been so drawn to this. The merciful man does good to his own soul. That's the only part I want to read there. The merciful man does good to his own soul. Another translation says, kindness is rewarded. You could do something for someone else and something happens in you. That wound begins to close. When I was in college, years ago, I was dating someone. We were sure we were going to get married. We talked very seriously about it, and we were getting married. But as it settled in, we both got hesitant. We were like, I don't know. And we, we broke it off. It was right to break it off. It was right. But it was so painful. All the feelings of insecurity and fear just rose up in my heart. He was fine. I wasn't fine. You know, and I was just emotionally not okay. So ridiculously pained. I didn't even know what to do with this pain in my soul. I was in my third year of college in my major, and I left mid-semester. I went and worked in California at a mission with the nuns, with critically ill and handicapped children. In this home, we would take care of six children at a time. And there was this one little boy and his mom that I grew very close to and fond of. She was a single parent. Her husband had left her. And he left her with a little boy named Michael. Michael was five years old and 20 pounds, quadriplegic, no use of his arms or his legs. Beautiful brown eyes, completely blind. No voluntary movements, so when you fed him formula, he had to choke it down, and his mom's like, Joy, just blow in his face when he turns blue, and he'll catch his breath again. It was excruciating feeding him. But I just grew to love Michael, and I just, I loved taking care of him. It was an unusual time. I usually had full house, but this time, on July 4th weekend, I had just Michael. And it was a quiet little private courtyard, and I thought, well, Michael, maybe we'll be silly. I forgot that Michael could hear, and I thought, well, we'll just, maybe we'll dance. But I have to tell you this, beforehand, his mom had come to me and she goes, Joy, something marvelous happened. Michael went to therapy and he makes a movement. He does this. I remember I looked at her and I went, what? Michael can't do anything. How is that? He's communicating. I was like, that. oh, poor, poor mom. But on this July 4th, when I decide I'm just kind of dancing with Michael, I said, Michael, my dad used to dance with me, my stepdad, and he taught me to waltz. How about if we dance together? And so I just started humming a happy tune. And Michael starts laughing. And when I stop, 
he lifts his hand. And I went, oh, we're connecting. And I said, you want to dance again? And I danced. I had forgotten he could hear me. It was the one sense he had. And we danced and we laughed. And he kept lifting his arm every time I stopped. It was me and God, Michael. And I'm like, we're connecting. Michael ended up in the hospital. Tubes all over his body. He was so sick. When I went in, I noticed he had a splint on his arm with an IV. And his mom just picked him up and put him in my arms. I'm like, I don't even know if you're allowed to do this. She scooched a chair underneath me and said, Joy, just hold him for me. Just, just hold him for me. I got to go make some calls. And I'm like, <sighs> and I'm sitting there alone. And with a lamenting voice, I'm like, Michael, talking out loud. It's me, Miss Joy. And with the splint on his arm, he moves it up. And I went, you want to dance? And he smiled. And I thought, everything was wrong about that. And yet everything was right because we were connected at heart. I knew him. He knew me. If everything could be wrong in your life, you can't forget that God hears you. He wants to whisper to you. He wants to help you. And if you're connected to him at heart, it's going to be okay. God loves us. God wants to heal us. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you, Lord God, that you whisper to their heart. And they come out of the pains of loneliness and darkness, Father, no longer isolating. And they hear from you, feel close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not going to tell you I told you so. I should have warned you that uh, that last story, I've, I've heard it more than anybody else, still gets me every time. But you know, I thought, what about you? What about those who are sitting here today? And there, there's a hole in your heart because you never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Someone that really loves you. Someone that'll be there for you through thick and thin. Or maybe you did at one time. You got away from him. And you're sitting there today going, man, I, I, I feel that disconnect. Well, thank God you don't have to stay there. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads just for a moment. Please, no one leaving will be out of here in just a couple of minutes. But if you're here today and you say, you know, Alan, I don't know that I've ever made that connection. I don't know, I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Or I, I did at one time, but I've gotten so far away from him. And I want to come back home. I want to reconnect again. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you would like for our prayers, would you simply slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, that's you? Yeah, yeah, all over, all over, yeah. Wonderful, thank you. Anybody else? Great, thank you for your courage. You can put your hands down, we're gonna pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you were thinking, man, I really wanted to do that. Well, this is a prayer that you can pray from your heart. We're gonna pray it with you as a church family. 
If you're watching online, you can, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, you can pray it quietly. We're going we're gonna to join you. If you're here, pray this out loud with us as I lead you in it. We're going to join you. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. As heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, we want to thank you for those who prayed that prayer, for those who have stepped out of darkness into your marvelous life, for those who have come back home. Father, we rejoice with them and thank you for the work that you've done in them and will continue to do throughout eternity. We thank you. We rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest, for those who have been hurting, those who have been lonely, thank you for the hope that we have that that's not the way it has to be. And during this holiday season, I ask you, Father, to minister your peace and your comfort and your strength like no one else can. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.